Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, and I do want to give a shout out and a thanks to Daniel Garcia for filling in for me last week. I made a... Long X Ranch Tour, uh, Long X Ranch Cowboys, which is one of our online uh, ministry groups that supports our local ranches. And I got to see uh, a bunch of Long X Ranch Cowboys and it was a phenomenal time. I wasn't gonna leave uh, until Tuesday of last week. And so our first stop was gonna be Warrensburg, Missouri. So I called Mandy and Chad Wiegand and told them that I was coming on Tuesday and they said, well, we're branding Tuesday morning and uh, we could really use the help. And I was like, okay, I get, not really. I was like, yeah, we're leaving Monday now. We're leaving Monday. And so we, we got there Monday night, had a great steak dinner. Uh, Chad said that I needed to move down there so that uh, he could have more steak dinners. And so uh, anyway, so we got up at four o'clock that morning to, to start the branding and they went and gathered a, a, a small trap and sorted off the cows and the calves. And then I stayed at the uh, pens to help unload and stuff. And so it was about 7.30 and we got ready to brand about 92 head of calves. And um, we were getting ready and we had them separated into five pens, 20, 20, 20, 20, and then 12 or whatever it was. And uh, anyway, I got off my horse and, and tied it to the fence and I went over there ready to start, you know, flanking. And Chad looked at me, he goes, what are you doing? I was like, well, what should I be doing? He goes, why aren't you on your horse? And I said, cause I don't get on my horse till the boss tells me to get on my horse. And he said, well, I like that, get on your horse. So I said, yes, sir. So I got on my horse and pulled down my rope and cinched up tight and started roping and we were heading and healing and, and there was uh, three of us that were, were heading and healing. So, you know, you're in on two thirds of the calves and um, got done with that first 20 and went, got off my horse, went tied to the fence and Chad said, what are you doing? I said, um, I've roped my pen. He goes, get back on your horse. I was like, oh, so maybe we're doing like 40 and 40 or something. So I get back on my horse and I go over there and we rope another 20. And I ride over there to get me a Gatorade because by 7.30 it was about, oh, it was probably about 82 degrees with 137,000% humidity. I am not kidding you. I've only peed twice in 10 days. I sweat so much. And so I went over there and got me a Gatorade and, and I was drinking it and I was fixing to get off and Chad said, get back out there. And I was like, whoo, get to rope some more. I ended up roping the entire time. And by the time I was on, I'll be honest, I've never roped that much in, in a single morning in all of my life. I probably head or healed 60 calves. And by the time it was all said and done, man, I my hands were literally bleeding from some rope burns because I'm kind of one of the tie-on guys. And when you're in Rome, you dally like they do. And so I am not very proficient at dallying. And uh, so I had my hands uh, tore up and just now I'm able to really make a fist. <laughs> it, it was crazy. I mean, just 
roping and roping and roping and roping, but I, but I roped good. I roped good uh, and, and it felt good to finally do that. I, I, I kind of felt like a top hand, but right before we, right before we finished that last little group, uh, I had to get off for a second. I'd been on a horse for about four hours and my shoulders were sore and everything. And I had healed the last calf in that bunch. And whenever we let him up, I coiled up my rope and put it over my saddle horn. And I walked over there to, to get me a Gatorade. And it was sitting on the, te- on the flatbed of the truck. And I grabbed it and I opened it up and I could just feel all this sweat running down. And I, and I went like this and I felt like a top hand until I realized that I had drugged my rope through some cow crap, very, very fresh. And I had literally Braveheart face painted my entire beard with like three inches of fresh calf crap. And I'm standing there talking to Mandy and I can just imagine how I look. Like I had nosedived into, you know, pile of guacamole and she never said a word. And which if it would have been the other way around, I'd have said something, y'all know me. I'd have said something, but I was real not, you know, I looked down and I mean, my, my cotton glove is just soaked with this cow crap. And so I'm trying to rub it off. And so for the rest of the day, all I could smell was feedlot. It didn't matter where, I mean, my fingers stunk, my, my knees stunk, my wife stunk, everybody stunk, right? You know, there's, there's a lot of things that you have to do to become a top hand and none of them happen overnight. But there are some things that top hands don't do. You know, the skills it takes to be considered a top hand take decades, okay? It doesn't just happen overnight. It takes decades to improve those skills. But there's some skills that you can stay away from starting right now. You know, there are some things that you can't do if you're a top hand, like rubbing cow crap on your face. And that's a step back, not a step forward. So today I'm gonna talk about five things that I I call this top hand university. And even though I'm not gonna teach you what it takes to be a top hand, I'm gonna give you some stuff that that kind of we talked about in the beginning of things to avoid that top hands don't do. Now, just because you don't do one of these things doesn't make you a top hand, but you can't become one if you do these five things. And I just wanna give credit to uh, Dr. Dace Clifton He's an adjunct professor at Arlington Baptist University. He came up with this list and I'd, and I'd read it a while back and I, and I just, I loved it. And he wasn't talking about top hands or anything. He was talking about other stuff, but I just thought that this really applied. So five things to teach you what top hands do not do, okay? They do not have a lack of discipline. You can't be a top hand without being disciplined, okay? You cannot be a top hand and be lazy. And, and you, you know, the, the thing I think about that is no one is disciplined by accident, okay? You're, no, nobody just goes up and say, you know, I didn't even know it, but I'm really, really disciplined. You've got to focus because our human nature is nothing but lazy. And you know what? I, I would venture to say that cowboys are some of the laziest people in the world. Not that they not work hard or anything, but we will constantly try to find an easier way to do something because the work is so hard. But still, even when we're doing that, we have to be disciplined. Man, if you want to become a top hand, you'll never reach there 
with a lazy attitude and being undisciplined. We got to set goals. I mean, and, and sometimes I'm not talking about, you know, good goals. I mean, I, I, I remember one of my goals when I first started roping with Ty was to be able to rope longer than about 10 minutes. I mean, if I hadn't have been working out like I had over the past year and a half, uh, man, I, I don't think I could, I could have held all of that rope and done my horse, swung a big loop, everything that goes on with it. I, I don't think I would have been able to do that. And one of my goals was to get stronger so that I could rope longer. They don't have to be big, momentous, uh, momentous, momentous, I, I don't know how you say it. Whenever I got back, Griffin said, uh, Dad, your Texas accent got really worse. They don't have to be big, lofty, world-changing goals. Sometimes it might be just, you know, get up in the morning, go to bed at night, turn your phone off. They don't have to be mind-blowing to be good goals. We also got to learn to maintain boundaries with our time. I'm going to give you, you Thursday night people just a little bit of a hint because uh, Ty has grown, and but you, you wanna get on Ty's bad side, have him help you on Thursday night and give you something to work on and then come back the next Thursday and it's the first time you've been on your horse since then. He's wasting his time. And people say, well, I, you know, I don't have time for that. Every single one of us has 24 hours in a day. You don't have a time problem, you got a priority problem. If you don't wanna learn to do this and put it in the practice, then don't do it, that's fine. We're not gonna judge you. But if you are going to ask for help and ask for somebody else's time and knowledge and wisdom, then, then, then basically, you know, I was gonna say something, I shouldn't say that. Just, just be respectful of that, okay? Maintain boundaries with your time. If you wanna be disciplined, set goals. Maintain boundaries with your time. Manage your schedule. You know, mo most of our lives is spent, you know, putting out fires. We, we've got all of these urgent things to do and we spend more time doing urgent things than important things. But the thing about urgent things is they very seldom take a positive step towards a goal. Now, I'm not saying that we can't do urgent things because we're all going to have those, okay? But how about this? When you wake up in the morning and say, you know, what are two or three, or maybe you start off with one, what is one thing that I can do today that is going to positively put me a step forward into reaching my goals? Maybe it's read your Bible. Maybe it's pray. Maybe it's take a walk. Maybe it's... A, come to the gym with me and Neil and Jason Brett. I, I, I don't know what it is. Do the important things first and then worry about the urgent. And remember, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. Discipline is the act of aiming at something positive that will grow you in your life and your relationship with Christ. What disciplined thing do you need to start today. The second thing in our top Penn University that, that uh, you gotta stay away from is indecision. You know, top hand has a limited amount of time to make complex decisions. Sometimes decisions are made in seconds. And, and, it, and it's one of those things that we see on Thursday nights with, with people learning to rope. There is so much going on all the time that you really have to make split second decisions every time. Listen, you Christians, you can't be like, Ty is not gonna take this. You nearly got that guy rim fired. 
Well, I didn't know if I should pop my dallies because I didn't pray about it. Shut up. Pop your dallies before you get somebody killed. You don't have to pray about something that's right, okay? You can't go through life with indecision. Many Christians wait way too long to make a decision. Indecision is costly. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll get to this in a, I'll get to that in a second. If you want to get away from indecision, and I am preaching to the guy in the black hat and the blue shirt reading a white piece of paper right now, okay? I am horrible at this. But if indecision is costly, if you want to learn how to make better decisions, maintain a close ride with God every single day. Because how many times have you heard it? And, and I say it all the time and people giggle, but you know you're giggling because it's true. When people say, well, I guess all we can do now is just pray about it. Well, you should have been praying about it from the very beginning, not wait until the last thing to do. Man, if we maintain a close ride with God every single day, that decision-making will become easier. It's no different than if you practice roping every single day. Man, you'll know when to pop your dallies. You'll know when to, you'll know nearly before a cow does what it's going to do. And, you know, sometimes it just takes just a movement of your horse to keep something from running off. You, you, you have to be proactive and you can't be proactive if you're indecisive. Not only do we need to maintain a close ride with God, but we need to tie hard and fast to his promises. One of the greatest things I ever heard was, was, a, was a preacher had gone over to Africa and they were doing some missionary work or something, which it always, you, you think you're going to serve others, but really you're the one that, that gets something out of it and you realize that they were serving you. But he said that this pastor in Africa prayed the most powerful prayers he's ever heard because all that guy did was remind God of his promises over and over and over and over and over and over, just listing the promises one after another. And isn't that how Jesus prayed when he said, uh, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God promised to do that and forgive us our trespasses. God said he'd do that so that we can forgive others. God said that we could do that. Lead us not into temptation. God said that he would do that. God was remind, or Jesus was reminding God of his promises. Do you know the promises of God? I've got a little Bible study that I tell people. It's called the Paul method, P-A-W. If you're not against highlighting or just keep a journal, read your Bible. And if it sounds like a promise from God, Write it in a promise category. This is a promise of God. If it's an application, then, then turn a few sheets over and write application at the top and sit there and say, this is, you know, when God says, hey man, you know, if your brother offends you, go to that brother in private and talk to him, that's an application. Write that down. And then if there's a warning, write that down too. Well, I don't know how to study the Bible. There you go. You can go through the entire Bible starting today with that method right there and you're gonna fill up about 52 spirals with the promises, applications, and warnings in the Bible. Tie hard and fast to God's promises that will keep you from being indecisive. And whatever you do, keep moving forward. You know, I, I met with a Long X Ranch cowboy named Joshua McDaniel in California. And I asked him, I said, what's your gift? And he said, falling forward. <laughs> I loved that. I loved that. Cause we're all gonna fall, are we not? But when we fall, let's fall forward 
even if we fall, let's, let's go forward. Keep moving forward. And this is what I was going to say, you know, and, and I know about the indecision. I'm saying, hey, man, sometimes we got to be decisive and people are like, well, shouldn't we pray about everything first? Man, if you know something is coming up and you have a decision to make, absolutely pray about it. But I've got a question for you. How do you know if God is telling you to drink the tang or the lemonade? I mean, do, do you have a burning bush? Because if you do, how much will you charge me? Because I've got some questions. I've got some major questions that I want to talk to God and hear his voice. We're not going to do that. So it, even if you're praying for something, that's fine. We should pray about it. But how are you going to know if it's God that's answering you? Is it going to be like, well, you know, I know that this is really what I want, but maybe it's my selfish desire, so I'm going to make this decision so it's not against my selfish desire, or this is what I want, and God wants, you know, God give me the desires of my heart, so I'm going to do that. How do you know? How do you know? Well, I don't really have the answer to that, but I do know that you will hear him more clearly by maintaining a close ride with him, tying hard and fast to his promises, and if you keep moving forward with him every single day. Pray daily for wisdom, have faith, and then shake your face. That's what my good buddy Jake Hershey used to always say, shake your face. Because everybody, anybody can be a bull rider. Every person in here can, be, can get on a bull, but you're not a bull rider until the gate opens, right? Anybody can get on a chute and sit on a bull. You're not a bull rider until you shake your face. You're not a bronc rider until you shake your face. The third thing in Top Hand University of things to stay away from is uncontrollable fear or fear that controls you. A top hand cannot let fear govern what they do. The Bible also has a lot to say about fear. In some, we humans are usually afraid of the wrong stuff. Think about that for a second. Your biggest fears are probably about the wrong stuff. You afraid of dying? Some people are. <laughs> Listen, I, this may be a newsflash for you, but unless Jesus comes back, you're going to die. But you know what? Death is the beginning of perfection for us. It is nothing to fear for the Christian. It is only to fear for those that don't know Christ because it's the beginning of something else. We should fear only God. And when I say fear God, I mean, we should have a little bit of fear because he's going to be our judge. But it's more in reverence for what he's done for us, of the love that he has poured out on us. Nothing else on this planet should be a legitimate source of fear. What you fear is your God. Think about that. Your biggest fear is your God. You know, I, I went to a, a cowboy church school when I was in Texas, and uh, I've told this story before, but the preacher got up there, and it was a it was a how to do a cowboy sermon, and so we got up there, and man, I had my notes. I wanted to be a good cowboy preacher, and so this guy got up there. He's real punchy looking. He, you know, had the little glasses that he had to put on to read, and just punchy looking fella, and he goes, I like to start off my sermons with a hard-hitting question. I'm like, hard-hitting question. And he's like, I'll give you an example. What is a cowboy's greatest fear? I was like, ooh, that is a hard-hitting question. Is it, you know, death? Is it, you know, losing a spouse or a, a child? Is it, maybe it's like not being able to ride anymore? I, I, you know, my gosh, my, my brain was just swimming. And he was like, see? Every single one of you is trying to figure out what a cowboy's greatest fear is, but I'm here to tell you what it is. And I mean, he had my attention like, I man, I was just, right, right. <laughs> uh, Ty said it's running out of toilet paper. 
But he stood up there and he goes, a cowboy's greatest fear is navicular. And I was like, what? What? I have never in my life lost three seconds of sleep over a horse coming down with navicular. Does that mean I want it to happen? Absolutely not, but it's pretty common. And he lost me. I didn't pay attention to the dude the rest of the time. I didn't. But what you fear is your God. I guess I didn't fear God was navicular. I, I don't know. But a lot of people fear not having enough money. If you're at a certain local rancher's when we're having to tag calves in prairie dog town and you're full stupid out across the pasture, you know, some things will make you pucker, but that doesn't mean that I'm, it's controllable fear because I still do it. What about when, what people say about you? Some people are, I don't give a crap what nobody says about me. But other people, it really bothers them. I'm kind of one of those. Death. Once again, that's the beginning of perfection for the Christian. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, God says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I mean, think about that. The most often repeated command in the Bible is do not be afraid. But yet most of our lives are consumed by uncontrollable fear or fear that controls us. I don't know, that's, hey, English. You know what I'm saying. The fourth one, this is gonna be a tough one. Some people are gonna disagree with me and if you disagree with me, that's fine. Compromise. Compromise can kill a top hand. Any excuse that we make for not following God's command shows a compromise to our faith. You know, like, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I follow God, I follow God. But yet, then, then you treat others preferably, you give preferential treatment. Reading your Bible, that's when Paul got on to Peter later on because Peter was treating people preferentially, the Jews over the Gentiles. And Paul called him out on it. And he said, hey man, you're compromising your faith here. You know, you say that you follow God, you're an apostle of God, but yet you're treating these people differently than you're treating these others. What is your excuse for not following God? Another compromise is hypocrisy. We bow our heads and we pray to God. And then we have liars, adulterers, and gossips telling homosexuals that they're going to go to hell. Now, I'm not saying that none of that is a sin, but you know, he who is without sin shall cast the first stone. Can they not? Now, there's a difference in educating somebody and bringing them to the light and point your finger in condemnation. Don't compromise your faith. How about tithing? Do you know that the national average, and it's here at Save the Cowboy also, only one out of every 20 people tithe. So there's probably 120 people in here right now. You know, you're looking at five or six that actually tithe 10% of their gross. A lot of people say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, yeah, it's Old Testament. I mean, in Malachi, God said, you know, give me 10% of what I've already given you and I will pour out a blessing on you that you will not be able to contain it. It'll overflow and run down into your lap. (laughs) Sign me up for some of that, right? People say, well, that's Old Testament. We don't go by the Old Testament anymore. You're right, you're right. Jesus told the rich young ruler to sell everything he had and come and follow him. Oh, so we're gonna go New Testament now. I don't really care which one y'all do. You can go Old Testament 10% or sell everything and write us a check. I'm fine. Either one of those is fine. (laughs) But seriously, and this isn't a tithing deal, I'm just saying how easy it is for to compromise our faith where we say we're following God, but are you? Maybe it's something to work towards. In 1 John 2, 16, the Simplified Cowboy version, it says all this stuff that most people cherish and hold on to, Sinful desires, material things, and everything else like fame, fortune, and pride, none of it comes from God. Those are all worldly things that will get you destroyed. And also in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, 
Keep your head on a swivel and pay attention. The outlaw, the devil stalks you every minute of every day like a hungry lion. Keep both feet in the stirrups of faith and don't turn your back on him. Everyone that rides for Jesus has to deal with the devil too. Man, that devil is just waiting on you. Man, he's going to throw a little something out there to get your attention just to see if he can get you off that path. Don't fall for it, people. Don't compromise your faith. And the last one should come as no surprise. I lost my little deal. It's pride. A top hand is part of a crew. Self-focused motives take away from what the crew can accomplish. Ministry is not about you. Ministry is about Jesus. We have to fight to have the right type of focus to remember it's not about us. You know, there, there's, there's things that we say in here that y'all have heard over and over and over and over, but you know what? That's fine because somebody new is out there. Somebody new is watching online. Somebody new is here this morning that hasn't heard it. We have to fight to have the right type of focus. Are you trying to win or are you looking for kingdom wins? Would you sacrifice one of your wins for a kingdom? Is your ministry a platform that makes you look good or does it make Jesus look good? Are you out there hoping that you'll look good or hoping that you'll make Christ look good? Don't let pride and self-focused desires stop you from sacrificing, serving, leading, and working to advance God's outfit, to ride for the brand each and every day. Because our goal, my job as the leader of this ministry, according to the Bible, is the edification of the saints meaning to build y'all up. And there's nothing that me, Ty, Mitch, the board, the volunteers that so selflessly give all of their time, we want nothing more than to have a whole crew of top hands. But we're not gonna get there with a lack of discipline. We're not gonna get there with indecisiveness. We're not gonna get there with uncontrollable fear. We're not gonna get there by compromising our faith and we're not gonna get there with pride. Would y'all like to hear what Dr. Clifton has to say about the qualities every top hand should possess? What do you think? We'll come back next week and we'll talk about those.